Today you are in for a special, special treat. I have invited my good friend Judd, Pastor Judd Wilhite from Las Vegas to teach God's word to us today. Phenomenal message. You open your, you're getting ready to be extremely blessed. Pastor Judd and his wife Lori took over Central Christian Church in Las Vegas nine years ago. The church was running around 7,000 people and today in the weekend services they run right around 20,000 people. I've been there twice to preach there at Central Christian Church, a phenomenal move of God that's happening there. And I love Pastor Judd. He's just down the earth. He's just one of us. He's, he loves the Lord. He's a great preacher and communicator and teacher of God's word. He's also an author. I'm telling you, you're getting ready to be tremendously blessed by Pastor Judd Will Hyde. Listen, let's show him some love, some Oklahoma City People's Church love. Welcome, Pastor Judd Will Hyde. Thanks, brother. Thank you, thank you. What's up, People's Church? How you guys doing? So, uh, so great to be here with you and be able to share with you. Uh, my wife, Lori, and I just absolutely love Pastor Herbert and Tiffany and uh, so appreciative of them. Uh, Tiffany and Lori work together in a community called Leading and Loving It that reaches out to pastors' wives all around the nation and encourages them. And then uh, Pastor Herbert has been such an encouragement to me. The thing I love most about him is just how positive he always is. And he's always life-giving and he always like sees the best. And just as a little example of that, we went to a Cowboys game together this last year because, you know, there's a couple teams that are kind of God's teams and you're, you know, you want to support them like the Cowboys, the Thunder, right? I mean, there's just some, you know, so anyway, we went and, and we're sitting there, you know, in the stadium, but the Cowboys haven't had a good year for, well, a long time, right? And so we're in the stadium, and I got my, my cell phone out, and I just snapped this photo. And I was going through my phone uh, photos just literally this last week, looking for a photo of my daughter. And there we were. And I looked at, I looked at Herb, Pastor Herbert, and I thought, well, there it is right there. So we're going to bring it up on the screen. I want you to notice one thing about this. Only one of these diehard Cowboys fans still has enough faith and hope to wear the jersey. And not any jersey, the Romo jersey right there to the stadium because he's still believing. And uh, that's what I, I love about Pastor Herbert. And I know that's what you love about him as well. Just brings life and encouragement to, uh, to so many of us. Well, hey, I grew up not far from here in uh, Amarillo, Texas, in the Texas Panhandle. And grew up uh, around in a family that uh, sort of went to church. They, they would attend nominally. And what I remember as a kid is that they would bring me to church. And we would walk in. And I would tell them that I was going to go to the youth group. And that my parents were going to go to big church. And we were going to meet up after church. You know how this goes. Right. And so what I did is I snuck through church, snuck out the other side, walked out the back door, roamed around the alleys, around the houses, around the church, smoked cigarettes and wait for church to be over. You know, and then when church was over, I meet back up with my parents. My mom would say, how was church? I say, it's great. She said, what'd you learn about in church? I said, well, we learned about Jesus because, you know, Jesus is the safe answer. You just say, Jesus, you're good. If she presses you, you say, Jesus loves us. And then the conversation's just over. What every mom wants to hear, right? In fact, my son, you know, he's eight now. When he was seven, he came home from church one day and I walked in. I said, uh, Ethan, I was church, seven years old. He says, good. I said, what'd you learn about? He says, learn about Jesus. I'm like, get over here and sit down. That is not going to work in this house. 
you got to unpack that more. There's got to be more to that than just Jesus, you know. So, but I didn't really get the whole church thing. I mean, I didn't fully understand kind of the point and uh, started running around with a bunch of uh, uh, kids that were older than me and getting into a lot of things I shouldn't have been getting into. And when I was about 13, I smoked pot for the very first time, uh, started running around with some high school kids, started drinking. That led to, uh, you know, speed and coke and it led from snorting it and messing around with it in different ways to shooting it up. And I was shooting up before I was old enough to drive. And basically what it meant for me is over a four-year period, I, I can't remember much of anything that happened. It's an absolute fog. It, I was a mess in my life. And I came to this moment where I overdosed. I wasn't sure sort of what happened, but um, you know, I, I, I knew that I had been unconscious and I came to, and what scared me is when I came to, I took all the drugs that I had, loaded them up and did everything. And I just realized like I was like a car going towards a brick wall at about 100 miles an hour, and that brick wall maybe was a lot closer than I initially thought it was. I had this sense, some of you have had this in your life, I'm either going to go crazy or I'm going to go to prison, which by the way, every single friend of mine in high school, every single one of them except one, is in prison or just got out of prison. So I knew that's where I was at, either jail or I'm going to go crazy or I'm going to die or I'm going to get help. Those are the options. So I stood 17 years old in the parking lot of that little church in Amarillo, Texas, watching everybody walk in. And I thought, man, I need help. And I don't know if I believe all the God stuff. I'm not sure I like buy the whole thing. But I know that I can't move forward in my own strength and power. And I walked up to that church and opened the door for the very first time on my own terms, asking my own questions, seeking God for myself. Wasn't my parents' faith. Wasn't my mom's faith. Wasn't me roaming the alley anymore. It was now me coming before God saying, all right, what's going on with this whole faith thing? And I'm so grateful. There was this little group of people in that church. Listen, they, they had a Bible study, a small group Bible study, and they invited me in and they were kind to me and they listened to me and, and they did I didn't look like them. And truthfully, it had been four years since I had really been around anybody who lived sober. I didn't even know what that looked like anymore, you know, in life. I, and I just watched these people like, what does it mean to face problems in your life and not run to drugs? What does it mean to face situations and work through them? Well, what does it even look like to be sober? You know, it was like this whole world opened up. There's other people out there. Wow. I just sit around in this small group and learn and they would pray with me and coach me and a couple things happened. God used those people literally to save my life. And he inspired me to want to give my life to the local church community to help save the lives of others. And I want to encourage you because this church is in the life-saving business. And you're helping partner with God to save the lives of hundreds and thousands of people in this community who are hurting, who are going through any number of things, who are opening those doors for the very first time on their own terms, saying, I don't know, God, where you're at. I don't know where I'm at. I know I'm hurting. I'm messed up. I need you, and I need help. And you're a refuge for those people coming in. You're encouragement to them. You give them life. You give them hope. That's what the church is all about. And that's why even from a distance, I love People's Church. And you can put your hands together for that. That's big right there. That's the church being the church. So I'm celebrating 23 years of sobriety this past year. Thanks to Jesus. 
And it is possible. It's possible for a little kid in Amarillo, Texas, and who in the world knew he was ever going to end up as a pastor in Vegas, of all places, right? It's possible in your life. It's possible for your kids and your grandkids and your friends. It's possible because Jesus can make all things new. That's who he is, and that's what he does. And I want to talk to you about how we can experience that in our lives. Maybe for some of us, him making all things new is about us coming to faith and experiencing him for the first time in our lives. But, but for many of us, we've come to faith. We've made that. We've crossed that line of faith. But really experiencing the life he wants to give is realizing that if we invite him into the everyday life with our family or with our kids or with work or with just the challenges that we're up against, he can breathe new life into those situations. In fact, if you have your Bibles... John chapter 11 is where I'd like to go today with you. John chapter 11. We're going to look at one of my favorite stories, story of a guy named Lazarus and this encounter that he has with Jesus. Now in John chapter 11, basically you've got Mary and Martha, these two sisters, and they have a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus is really sick, and so they send word to Jesus, hey, our brother's really sick, this is not good, come and help him. Because they just knew if Jesus would come, if he would show up, he could make things right, he could he could fix things. He could help Lazarus. And so in John 11, we see that, that Jesus, when he finally shows up, Lazarus is already dead. He got there too late. And Martha's very distraught about this and Mary. And in John chapter 11, jump down to verse 25, Jesus makes this incredible statement to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, well, I want you to notice that these are two different things. I'm the resurrection I mean, we, you know, Jesus has the power uh, to resur- resurrect, to come back. He'll come back to life in his own life. He's about to do a miracle in Lazarus' life. He has the power of eternal life. But catch this, I'm the resurrection and the life. Life is about today. Life's about right now. Life's about bills and drama in the house and dirty diapers and dirty dishes and life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Now look at this. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I like that. Even after dying. So in other words, when Jesus says, you believe in me, you'll live, that living is primarily, check it out, now and continual. We always like to read this and go, yeah, Jesus is, you know, it's almost like we want to read it and say, anyone who believes in me will live only after dying. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm. I'm talking about life today. I'm talking about hope for you today. I'm talking about renewed energy today. I'm talking about a new perspective today in your life. In fact, if you and I will live in this new life Jesus has called us to, everything can begin to look different in our lives, even if nothing changes. Our perspective changes. Our attitude changes. All of a sudden, our relationship looks different. Our job looks different. Our friendships start to look different. Everything starts to look different because of what Jesus is working in our lives when we invite him in to that process. He says, I'm the resurrection and the light. Now, look at this. It says, everyone who believes in me, uh, everyone who lives, uh, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then he asks this question, do you believe this, Martha? And that's the question I believe Jesus is asking us today. Do you believe it? You know, I could probably line people up and say, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? You say, yeah, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. But let me ask you the same question a different way. Do you believe Jesus could help your marriage? Do you believe Jesus can help you with the financial situation that you're up against? Do you believe Jesus can help you in your work and with your career? Do you believe Jesus can, can help you in the challenges that you're facing? Do you believe he can help the thunder? 
Oh, wait, maybe we shouldn't go there. But let's. Can he work in your life? Well, if he's alive and if he's the resurrection and the life, then we should say with Martha, yes, Lord, you know, I believe, you know, I believe you can work in my life. Let's talk about how he can make all things new today and tomorrow. First, he can make all things new in your life today. I mean, sometimes life gets messy, right? We all find ourselves in a mess. I was walking with a friend of mine in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas recently, and as we're walking along, he did something I've never seen anybody do before or since. We're just walking along, talking mid-sentence. I mean, he, he, there, there was no warning. There's no like, hey, I'm not feeling good. He's just mid-sentence, even mid-word. As I'm looking at his face, he threw up. So anyway, so I was thinking that, boom, you know, and it was just, it was this other. I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. And, I, and I'm thinking like, uh, you know, what do you do to that? And, and I'm a sympathetic vomiter. Any of you kind of got some sympathetic vomiter? I mean, when the, you know, I don't, I see this. I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is not good. You know, like I don't watch medical shows, blood and all that. I'm like, no, no, I'm, you guys work that out. I'm, I get a little queasy over here, right? So he throws up, and I and we just kept walking because I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, you just threw up. And it took about three steps. I said, how are you feeling? He goes, I feel a little better now. And uh, I said, well, you know, there's, there's a restroom back the other way. You, you think you better go to the restroom? You think you might throw up again? He goes, yeah, we, we better go back. And so we, we turn around, and we're going back. And as soon as we turn around and start walking in the flow of people the other direction, we, it's almost like in slow motion. I can still see her. This lady walks right into the middle of that mess, both feet up, right down on her back. It was wrong. And she's, she's, she sits up, and, and, and she lifts her hands up, and she says, what's this? <laughs> We just had Mexican food, but I didn't want to tell her that, you know, I just, we just kept walking, right? I, I, we got right up to her and her friends had come up and I'm thinking, oh, I'm already feeling queasy and her friends are already here and nobody really knows that we did this at this point because we're in the flow of people going the other way. We just kept right on walking, right on past because I had no idea what you do with all this. And then I turned the corner and my friend, he's a ticking time bomb, you know, he starts going off again and again and it was bad, but it reminded me of life because you're walking along. Some of you, that's right where you're at. You're cruising down the street. You're not asking for a mess. You're not looking for a mess. You don't want a mess. And before you know it, both feet are up and you're right down in the middle of it. And you're going, what's, what's this? God, how'd I get here? This isn't my mess. I didn't ask for this mess. I didn't want this mess. This, well, how did I get in this mess? And that's where some of you are today or others of you, you know, you're like I was at 17. You're like, no, no, this is, this is the mess that I created. This is my mess. You know, this is, and I'm in it now and I, I know exactly what it is. I don't know how to get up, but I'm in it. And the good news today is in the middle of that mess, God will meet us and he will come along and empower us to get up, clean up, move on. Mary and Martha are in a mess. Lazarus is dead. Their hope has gone with him. I mean, this was their brother. This was the person they envisioned a different future with. They had plans for how they were going to live out their lives. They had, you know, all of these hopes and dreams, and they'd all come crashing down. In fact, there's, there's this moment in John 11:39 where Jesus gets them all down to the tomb where Lazarus has been buried, and, and he basically says, uh, you know, roll the tombstone back. And Martha protests in verse 39. says, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. But what's she saying? Jesus, it's going to stink. And you know, as I read that, I thought, and it does stink. 
Lazarus is dead. And sometimes life stinks. Addiction stinks, right? Divorce stinks. The situation we find ourselves in, the mess somebody else made we landed in, stinks. And it would be easy in that moment to look around and feel like this is just proof that God doesn't love me. This is just proof that God doesn't care. In fact, I'm sure that's where Martha and Mary were in their own lives as it relates to Jesus. I'm sure they wondered if he really cared. If you read on in John, if you go up in chapter 11, verse 5, you see something really fascinating. It says this, it says, although uh, they had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. This was before he died. It says, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, look at this, he stayed where he was for the next two days. This is big. Jesus loved them, and he still let Lazarus die. Jesus loved them, and he didn't drop everything and go help them in the way they thought he should go help them. Jesus loved them and cared about them, but he didn't show up in their lives in the way they thought he was going to show up in their lives. Now, here's the principle. Some of you are here today, and you're wondering, God, do you love me? Do you even care? Do you see what I'm going through? God, you said you'd rescue, and you didn't rescue. God, you said you'd show up, and you didn't show up. God, you said if I trusted you financially, you'd come through financially. And i got to tell you, God, it's tight. Where are you at? What's going on? And I bet I came all the way from Las Vegas to tell somebody today simply this. Don't think that just because God hasn't shown up in your life the way you think he should have shown up, that he doesn't love you. Don't think he doesn't love you. He's got a bigger purpose. He's got a bigger plan. You can't always see it. Mary and Martha, they couldn't see it. They didn't know. Jesus shows up. And it's already, the text has already said he loved them. You know, the only place we read about Jesus weeping is here in this passage in John 11. When, she, when he finds out about Lazarus uh, passing. And, and what do we hear? Jesus wept. So he hurt with them. He walked with them and he loved them. But he did not show up. On their timetable, but on God's timetable. You know, right? He didn't show up on their time frame, but on God's. And so here he is in this moment. He waits for two more days, and then he shows up. And in our own lives, some of us are waiting. Some of you are waiting on tests. Some of you are waiting on uh, medical procedures. Some of you are waiting on a job or a promotion or a raise. Some of you are just waiting in the monotony of life. It was Tony Evans who said, you know, we get up and every day starts to look the same. You know, you wake up out of the same old bed. You, you, know, you stand up, you walk to the same old kitchen or same old bathroom sink. You get the same old toothbrush. You put the same old toothpaste on it. You brush the same old teeth. You go in the same old bedroom, get the same old clothes, put them on the same old body, go out to the same old kitchen area, get the same old Cheerios, get the same old bowl, pour it in the same old bowl, pour the same old milk, the same old Cheerios, eat the same old breakfast, get the same old car, drive the same old way to work, do the same old job, see the same old people, say the same old thing, smile the same old way. At the end of the day, you go back out to your car, you get in the same old car, you drive the same old way back home, you walk in, you kiss the same old wife, you sit down, you eat the same old food, right? You watch the same old TV shows, you walk up, you know, you, you get in your same old bed, you lean over, you ask the same same old question to the same old person, you get the same old answer. Then you roll over, go to sleep, get up tomorrow and do it again. This is life we're talking about, right? Life. Not Hollywood. The real stuff. 
The real stuff. But here's the difference. Jesus is standing outside of our life, even when it stinks, just like he stood outside of that tomb. And he's calling us out into a new life. He can make all things new. How do we experience it? We invite him in to the details of our lives. And that means when you get up tomorrow and you go to that same old bathroom sink and you look at that same old mirror and you look at that same old person looking back at you with a few more gray hairs. And you remind yourself that you're loved by God. And you thank him for that. You get that same old toothbrush and you put that same old toothpaste on it. But now instead of just brushing your teeth, in your heart is gratitude because you're thankful you have a toothbrush. You're thankful you have a God who's provided a roof over your head, giving you a bathroom sink to get ready in. Right? You go out and you pour your Cheerios, but you know there are, there are a lot of people in the world. They don't get to have Cheerios in the morning, right? They don't get to have breakfast. It may not be five star, but it's food. And you have gratitude for that. And you get in your car, even if it's an old beater car. You fire it off and realize there are a lot of people in the world that don't have a car. You drive that car to a job and say, God, I'm so thankful that I even have a job. There's so many people that don't have a job. I'm grateful to be able to work. And I'm not just going to work. I'm working for you. The Bible says clearly that we're to work for the Lord rather than for people. And so when you work for the Lord, whether you're at McDonald's, whether you're working a shift, whether you're working construction, you know, whether you're working in an office, whether, you do, whether you're a CEO, whether you're in retail sales, whatever you do, do it to the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you show up with a bigger Bible and hit people with it. It just means that, that you do the same things you did yesterday, but now you do them with an awareness that I'm doing this for God. There's a bigger significance here. And you know what starts to happen? That little act starts to take on a new meaning. It, now, all of a sudden, it's not just a burger at the drive-thru. It's a burger at the drive-thru to God. And I'll tell you what, I'll bring him burgers all day long. Here you go. may have your face on it, but that's for God right there. Doesn't mean that you have to talk weird at work now. A lot of people think, man, yeah, I'm going to do it for the Lord. That means I got to be weird. And I got to talk weird, you know, and they start showing up. How you doing? I'm great, man. Everything's perfect. It's amazing. It's great. Why is it so great? Because I'm working for the Lord. Dude, it's Monday at 6 a.m. You there already? You won't have any friends. You do that, right? It doesn't mean you talk differently. It just means in your heart, it's directed to a greater purpose. And, uh, yeah, that's good news. I had a friend of mine. He's a pipe fitter. And uh, last couple weeks ago at Central, I just randomly said, you know, if you're a pipe fitter, then you'd be a pipe fitter for the Lord. I never thought, you know, he's like, I've never got a shout out in church before in my life. I am a pipe fitter for God. You know, I saw him this last week. I said, how you doing? He says, I'm doing awesome, man. He says, I was on, on cloud nice at every pipe I fit this last week. I said, God, that one's for you. <laughs> Boom. And you know what happens when you start doing that? It starts to make all things new, even if nothing changed outside of your life. Changes right here. Changes right here. It comes back to surrender and just being willing to say, God, every moment, every day, I give it to you and I surrender to you. In fact, I, was, I had a guy in church named John. Uh, used to always, he'd look across the way when I'd see him. And, and uh, as soon as we made eye contact, he would do this hand motion. He'd say, hey, Pastor Judd, look at him. He'd say, And then he'd walk off. 
Now, I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas. I mean, we sort of redefine weird, you know, and so I'm comfortable with some strange behavior, okay? But that got really strange. I mean, I'd see him the next week. Hey, Pastor Judd. You just keep going, hey. Everywhere. And so finally, I ran into him in a hall, and, I see, and he, goes, he goes, Judd, you want to know why I, I do this to you every time I see you? I'm like, please tell me, John, because it's a little odd, you know? <laughs> And he said, well, I just wanted, I felt convicted that every time you see me, I want to remind you that everything you're holding on to and worrying about and stressing about personally, as a pastor, in leadership, in your life, he says, you just give it to God. Just give it to God. (laughs) And so now I see John, you know, I saw him after that for a long time and I'd see him across the way and he'd always do the same, you know. Give us, man, that's good, you know, give it to God. And so I go home, you know, being around the kitchen area and doing some dishes and my wife Lori would be there. And, you know, I remember, you know, she got uh, frustrated about somebody one day and she was kind of going on and on about it. And finally I just said, Lori, she looked at me and I said, just give it to God. It didn't go so well, but, uh, you know, anyway, this is like stuff you, stuff you want to do personally with God, but don't roll that out on your spouse on the way home, okay? This is not going to help your marriage. I'm just saying it, it didn't make all things new. Um, but it takes a lot less energy to live like this, right, than to live like this. And I mean, you just, God, I give you my job, my life, my time. I invite you into it. Give it meaning and significance and purpose and use me. I commit it to you. He can make all things new, not only today, but tomorrow. You see the story in John 11. Jesus shows up. They go down to the graveside. They're right there at the tomb. I mean, the body's decomposing. Everybody's stressed out. They don't want him to roll the tombstone away, but Jesus knows God has a bigger plan. God isn't finished. And so they have him uh, roll the tombstone away. And then John 11:43 says this, Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. I mean, have you ever thought why he didn't just say, come out? I mean, it'd be like the walking dead going on around there in the grave, right? Come out. Everybody's like, oh, me? You want me to come out? All right. No, no, just Lazarus. You come out. Just a thought. Lazarus comes out. It says, and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a, in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, and I love this, unwrap him, let him go. Some of you, Jesus is calling you to come out. He's standing outside of your four days dead, stinking life saying, come on out, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap her and let her go, right? Let her live. Let him live in this new life that I'm giving. Let him experience the hope that I can bring into every moment of life. Unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him from that addiction. Unwrap him from that depression. Unwrap her from that low self-esteem. Unwrap her from all of that guilt and junk that she's been carrying around. Unwrap her. Unwrap him and let him go. And the question is, what are we going to do with that response? Will we hold back and will we close off our heart or will we begin to lean in? Jesus is asking us like Martha, you believe this? You believe this? I'm the resurrection and the life. You believe it. And when you believe it, 
It not only changes today, but tomorrow. That means that no matter what the world throws at you, we believe that not only can Jesus give us meaning today, but we have the hope of heaven. That no matter what happens politically, no matter what happens culturally, no matter what happens you know, to the thunder this week, we have a hope that is bigger than all of that. We have a hope that's bigger than anything this world can understand. It's the hope of heaven. And we walk with it dear and near our hearts. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I think of my friend Cody. Just tell you how, the, how you know, he began to experience this transformation. Cody was a guy who was a bass pro fisherman. He was earning a, a lot of money. He was featured on ESPN several times. Was touring and doing all these things. And got caught up in a crack addiction. And basically, he smoked away about $600,000 of his life savings. He hawked off his boat, his, his car. Uh, you know, At the end of it all, he did a big yard sale in front of his house took the cash from the yard sale, put it in his backpack, and walked away, became a homeless man. And for nine months, Cody slept in a field next to our church. It got so bad that uh, uh, Cody said that he hadn't had a shower in about six months. And he began to stink. I mean, really stink. I mean, like, nasty stink. He said stink so bad that the homeless would avoid him and walk around him. And I'm just going to say right here, Cody would tell you, man, you got some stink going on when the homeless walk around you, right? When they're clear in a 12-foot radius. And so somebody told him, hey, you can get a, you can get a shower at, at the church. And uh, so we, something we did for the homeless in our community position, where our, that one campus was positioned. And so he comes over to our church, and he walks in, and there's a volunteer named Michelle. Michelle looks up at him, and as soon as she sees him, man, here's this guy. He weighed 130 pounds, you know, been living in a field for nine months, hadn't had a shower in six months. She said the Holy Spirit just convicted her and said, you need to give that man a hug. Now, she's a soccer mom. <laughs> you need to give that man a hug. You can't always understand what God calls us to do, right? It doesn't always make sense. Right there in the church lobby, she walked up to him. She said, you look like you need a hug. He said, you don't want to hug me. I stink. And she reached over and she gave him a huge hug. And she looked him in the eyes and she goes, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he told me later, he said, Jeff, that's the lowest point in my life. If I could have found a gun, I'd have loaded it up, put it in my mouth and pulled the trigger. He said, but I didn't even have enough money to find a gun. So he came in and he heard the message of Jesus sitting in the last row of our church. God began to work in his heart and life. And later that night, he was out uh, in a field. Actually, the next day, he was in a field. And, and on his knees, he asked Jesus to be the leader of his life. And he asked for forgiveness. And he surrendered. You know, he showed up at church the next day, just standing there when we opened the doors. And the guy was on cloud nine. He said for weeks after that, he was the happiest homeless guy in all of Las Vegas. He still didn't have a house. He didn't care. He, still, he didn't have a car. He didn't care. He didn't have any clothes. He didn't care. You know what he had? He had forgiveness. Jesus stood outside the grave of his life and called him out. He got, he was, and then he began this journey of being unwrapped so that he could be let go. And over the next year, he uh, maintained uh, sobriety through the encouragement and help of people. We were able to help him get a job, help him get back on his feet. Five years later, he'd started his own business. He had uh, fell in love with uh, a young woman in the church. Actually, I should say an older woman in the church. And uh, uh, they were serving together. And, and uh, God just knit their hearts together. And, you know, the joy on their face when they got married. 
And the story just keeps going. You know, one of the things that uh, just I still can't quite get over is we I wrote about his story in a book, and I changed his name, put it in this book. It had been out for several years, and a lady in San Francisco read his story, called our church office, and said, I think this might be my father. I've been looking for my father for years. I've spent about $50,000 on private investigators. I've never met him. I don't know who he is. And she said, you know, I'm, she was an attorney in San Francisco. So I, 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 I said, well, we can't give uh, you know, his number to you, but if you'll give me your information, I can give it to him. And so we gave it to Cody. Cody called her. And they started a journey together, and eventually he went up, and he took a paternity test and all of that. And sure enough, listen, this was his daughter. She's a believer. She's a Christian. She's got a family with two kids that are in junior high. Cody didn't even know he had them. He didn't even know they existed. And here he was. He says, God not only took me from a field, but he began to bring me into a new life of sobriety than of owning my own business, than of marriage, than of having a family that I never thought I was going to have with two grandkids in the mix as well. And he goes up about once a month on his Harley and he spends time with that family, with his family, and you know they share life together. And it just goes to show you that, man, this new life we're talking about, it's more than just coming to faith. It's more than a 17-year-old kid walking into a church saying, God, I need you. It's a lifelong journey. Jesus is the resurrection and the life that means it impacts your career your marriage your family maybe not maybe not in you know you may not see it today i'm telling i'm describing a 10-year journey in cody's life but look at 10 years later he looks back and he says man it was worth every bit of it you know cody recently started his own ministry back in the field where he used to sleep he decided you know what my calling is in my volunteer time and my spare time is to feed the guys and the gals that are just like me So he goes out to that field every Saturday. They gather up and they do church. They do church. Cody teaches them and shows them and points them to Jesus because that's the only place you can get real new life. Where are you at in your life? What are you wrestling with? Jesus is standing outside of your life saying, come on, come out, come out. Let me unwrap you and let me let you go. Let me set you free from an addiction from a broken relationship, from work stuff that just seems so tedious and meaningless and you wonder, will it ever have any greater purpose? Jesus can make all things new. Will you respond? Will you come out to him today and whatever he's calling you to do and let him move in your life? Let's bow and pray.